Indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, why isn't the number 11 pronounced 1 Hi America, hello world. My name is Adrian Lee and I am your host. Welcome to the show, more questions than answers. The only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you. To bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio, entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre, and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your lights and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and retrobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of that would be... The panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show and we are completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? So without any further ado, let us embrace the week's darkness. Let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and evanescent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years with her own team called Hellhound Investigations and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather's pet pig lost his voice this week and became disgruntled. Welcome to the show, Heather. I got to come back again. I know, it's remarkable, isn't it? Episode 2, Series 2, who knew? We also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim formed a new postal company this week by merging FedEx and UPS, and now she's fed up. Welcome to the show, Kim. (laughs) Hello. And finally on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim, and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. He is also our sound engineer and producer. Greg has spent all week wondering what happened to preparations A through to G. Welcome to the show, Greg. (laughs) Show number two, series two, 
episode two. Do you know the lowest... Sorry? It's a double deuce. It is remarkable. (laughs) Two little ducks, as they say in Britain. The lowest channel on television in the United States is number two. Did you know that? Yes, I think so. That's also the case in Canada, Argentina and Mexico. And I've actually seen the TV broadcasts in this company, uh, in this... uh, in this country, and they are in fact number two. I, I would, I would believe that. In Jewish law, the testimony of two witnesses are required to verify and validate events such as marriages, divorce, and crime that warrants capital punishment. Isn't that the order in which it goes? In marriage, divorce, <laughs> and then a crime that involves capital punishment. Two is also a good number in Chinese culture. There is a Chinese saying: "Good things always come in pairs." So if you are thinking of sending young ladies pictures of yourself practicing onanism on Facebook with fruit, remember that saying. Now, I just want to say we've had some amazing uh, listeners over the last week from all over the world, in actual fact. And occasionally, of course, I read out who's listening to the show. So you're not the only one huddled under a quilt in the darkness listening to my dulcet British tones. I'm going to read out very quickly a big shout out here to all of our listeners, uh, some of our listeners, over the course of the last few days listening to episode one of course which you can go and find on soundcloud if you look for mqta radio on soundcloud you will find us on there and of course we have a facebook site more questions than answers with adrian lee and a twitter account which is followed at the moment by thirty-eight thousand people if you go adrian lower dash what do you call that lower dash underscore underscore, underscore. i always yep. forget that adrian underscore lee underscore tips which is t-i-p-s you can follow me and the team on our Twitter site, but I'll just run through some of these, of course. Sheringham in the United Kingdom, that's my friend Martin Booth, so a shout out to him. Mountain View, California, Dis in the UK, St Paul, Round Lake, both in Minnesota, London, obviously in the United Kingdom, Lincoln in the UK, Crescent City, California, Halstead, Leeds and Halifax, all in the UK, St Cloud in Minnesota, Sunnyvale, California, Skelmersdow in Yorkshire, that's in the UK, Hobart, Indiana, Bristol, Cincinnati, Dewsbury, UK, Ashburn in Virginia, Rogers in Minnesota, Los Angeles, Bakerfield in California, and Austin, Minnesota. So if you're listening in any of those towns and cities, and we appreciate that, and keep listening to the show and join us on our Facebook and Twitter sites. So we rush into the first round that is ghosts and hauntings. And I'm going to start here with a story from Britain. It says, face of a ghost child spotted in a window of an abandoned former orphanage. A mysterious ghost child's face has been spotted at an abandoned former orphanage. The building, as shown on Google Street View, snapped what might be the face of a window of the deserted hospital in Orphan Drive. A concerned local raised the alarm, believing the image shows a child crying in the window of the red bricked building. First thing I would say, I have seen this photograph, and again, these stories are available for you to view on our Facebook site, more questions and answers with Adrian Lee. So you can actually see this photograph. There is more of the story to come, but straight away, I'm always concerned now, you can do such amazing things with Photoshop. And there's apps, of course, we've talked about this for the last three or four Mm -hmm. years. There's apps that will put a face in a window of a building or a Mm -hmm. child. I saw one, um, in fact, Kim, you showed me the picture of yep. the uh, young girl outside the Palmer House, yep. the haunted building up there in the middle of Minnesota. It was so obviously an app that had a small child on it in Dickensian clothing. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and, of course, you can press your face against a window to look out of the window 
and then 50 years I've never later, done that. you've never looked out of a window. <laughs> press my face, no. Not what about your cheeks? The whole nose thing, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Greg, have you ever pressed your cheeks against a window? I don't think so. I'm thinking some sort of bus or coach, maybe. I, you know, nothing like that. <laughs> Speechless. Greg Yay! shall have points for not saying anything. There is a first. He breaks his duck and he is on one point. But it's true. You can Let's press. it right now and then I'll win. Oh, there you go. You can press your face against a window and it will leave an imprint for decades. So, you know, anyone looking out of their window, a kid looking out of an orphanage to see if Santa Claus is coming up the path would obviously leave an imprint. So there's so many different ways that you can, you know, prove these to not be true. But I'll carry on with the story. The crumbling Victorian building is now believed to be riddled with ghosts. The inside of the Grade 2 listed building is 99,000 square feet and the cavernous spooky hospital is the site of ghost tours. See, already, now they're doing ghost tours, you're thinking someone's put a ghost face on the window, haven't they, to get people to go on their ghost tours. With places for 400 orphans and later 400 patients, inside it is truly a decaying scene with the assembly hall, chilling mortuary, a warren of corridors, dormitories, nine psychiatric wards, winding staircases with anti-suicide grills, treatment rooms and a vast kitchen and laundry. That sounds like some of the rough schools I had to teach in, in London, to be <laughs> honest. It goes on to say rusty, broken beds, wheelchairs, commodes and trolleys still lie scattered around. Still sounds like schools I used to work in in East London. <laughs> memos, hang, memos hang limply on notice boards and rows of lockers display staff names like epitaphs. A top floor attic corridor is lined with 14 naughty cupboards in which unruly children were held in solitary, pitch black confinement. Don't you just miss the good old days? There was less crime, less thieving, less murders, less kids playing out on the street causing trouble. Sightings of ghosts have been reported on the top floor and in Ward G. I guess that's Ward G for ghost. And visitors have described noises and uneasy feelings when they have been in the building. Some recent ghost hunters were haunted by voices, disappearing circles and white mist. Recently, property developers have applied for planning permission to create a restaurant in the ramshackle structure. There's not many restaurants you go to that have suicide grills in the stairwells, do they? I can't no. think of any. No. Now, I think this is a brilliant suggestion. If you turn an old child's orphanage and workhouse into a restaurant, what would be the perfect name for that? Any thoughts or suggestions? Points going begging here. Silence. I thought it would be More, really good. Please. I thought it would be really good. Well, you're getting on the right lines. Nathan is uh, beside me. It's a sad state of affairs when you're broadcasting live and your attorney has to sit next to you to look at what you're reading out. <laughs> <laughs> He could stop the show at any moment, I hasten to add. Yes, the voice from the corner. Um, I thought Oliver Twists would be a really cool name for a restaurant. Yeah. Or more, yeah. please. Something along those lines. So That's we should in look bad forward. taste. Why? That's in bad taste. Oh, I see you're trying oh, to be funny. You're on minus whatever. one. <laughs> it's a bit early in the day for those kind of jokes. We have not even warmed up yet. That story was funny. It was interesting. It had, it had shock and awe and wonder. So <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give myself yeah, it didn't. two, two points there. Oh, to match the show. Mm. <laughs> there we go. I can't wait for show 33. <laughs> Heather, what have you got for me tonight on minus one in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings? Bingham Woman's Cuppa with a Ghost at former Nottingham Courthouse. 
could Natasha Rose have had a cuppa with a ghost of a prisoner? Now, please explain what a cuppa is, because I had to ask before. C-U-P-P-A is a cup of tea. Right. Cup of tea, governor. There you go. Go blimey, Mary Poppins. Yeah, you've been waiting to do that. That's my best Welsh accent, that is. (laughs) Um, The 42-year-old was visiting a psychic fair at Nottingham Galleries of Of Justice. Yeah, Nottingham's famous, of course, because that's the home of Robin Hood. If you remember the oh, okay, tales of sure. Robin Hood and Nottingham Forest. Yeah. It was at, uh, at the museum Sheringham, on... S- Sheringham Forest. Sorry, <laughs> Nottingham Forest is a football club. But it was the sheriff of Nottingham, wasn't it? Yeah. Do right. continue, Maid Marion. All right. On Saturday, when she says she popped into the cafe at the attraction with a stranger she had a real connection with, the pair and a second man chatted for about 10 minutes and then parted. But she says upon visiting that cafe later that day, she was shocked to see the spitting image of the man staring back at her from a picture of a prisoner on the cafe wall. So hang on a second. She's gone to a psychic fair in Nottingham, which we've already established is the yes. home of Robin Hood. Yes. She had a cup of tea at the psychic fair. Yes. Chatted with a strange man. Uh, her and another gentleman chatted with another gentleman that they had a connection with. Yes. Okay. And now she's seen his photograph. On the wall. On the wall. Okay, I'm trying okay. to keep up with this, yep. The image actually shows a prisoner named William Morris. No relation and no jokes. Willie Morris. Oh, and a Morris to boot. There See, you go. See, it could be relation. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Well, well, if, if I, I'm, I'm sure it, uh, this is going to go on to say that he's some sort of recidivist and criminal. So, uh, <laughs> What are you trying to say? <laughs> now, my psychic skills tell me <laughs> that this guy's done something bad oh, and his last name's Morris. What does your future tell you right now? Well, have a look in the tea leaves. You should have looked in the bottom of the cup of tea she was given. What's wrong with you? You're going to meet a tall, dark stranger. You're going to go on a journey and you're going to be lucky with money. I'll have $50, please. (laughs) Um, The image shows the prisoner, William Morris. Prisoner! I told you! I told you! He's a prisoner. And the date, 1888. The museum is on the site of a 15th century jail. So what did he do? Come on, let's have it. Well, she said that they had a cup of tea and Tom chatted about mental well-being. (laughs) As you do over a cup of tea with a stranger. Well, see, now the... Gentleman's name was Tom, but the picture was of William Morris. Okay. So that's why the Tom's in parentheses. Anyway, Miss Rose added, I went back later and there was a picture of all the criminals who have been hanged there. One was the spitting image of Tom. I thought, that's a bit bizarre. I don't know if I've been having tea with a ghost. Um, She said the man she met was dressed all in black and probably in his 50s and spoke with an Irish accent. So we don't know what he did. He was just a prisoner. Yeah, and he was just hung. He was just hung for stealing a loaf of bread. Probably. I will tell you, I researched, as a historian, several years ago, I researched my family tree. So I'm working all the way back. I got back to about the beginning of the 17th century, about 1590, 1610. I've got various grandparents that are like my 12th great-grandparents. What I discovered was my 7th great-grandfather, a gentleman by the name of Duke Lee, got hung for horse theft in 1766. So the skeleton in the closet for my family history was that my seventh great-grandfather was hung for horse theft at Pendleton Heath in Kent in Essex, which strangely enough is only a few miles from the university I went to um, back in the uh, 19, early 1990s there. But I actually went along to where the park was and the gallows mound is still there. And I sat as a psychic on that gallows mound, thinking about what my seventh great-grandfather, the last thing he would have seen back in 1766 being hung for horse theft, 
and uh, I put my hands into the dirt and I picked up a stone and put it in my pocket and do you know what I felt psychically? Absolutely nothing. There was absolutely, how many people must have been hugged? $50, please. I know, there you go, $50, and you're going on a journey. So I just thought that was very interesting when you consider the amount of people that were hung in that spot, and especially my seventh great-grandfather. I went there almost as a pilgrimage, thinking as a psychic I would have got something from that. And uh, You did, you got a stone. I got a stone in my pocket. Well, that would support your theory, though, that people go to the places that they loved and enjoyed. They don't stay where they died. Absolutely. You would you would consider there may be a residual energy there, but you're right. He, he wouldn't hang out in a place where you got executed necessarily. And what I find even more bizarre is that his son was called Samson Lee, who's my sixth great-grandparent, and he was one years old. And it starts to mess around with your mind when you think, what would have happened if he'd have got hung before that kid was born? Do you see what I mean? I, I, I disappear in a vapour of logic. I just At this moment, you'd see me fading in and out, like an episode of Quantum Leap or something. So that was very bizarre. I found the whole thing very odd. I suspect he may have been a gypsy, of course. So horse theft back in the day was probably an occupation for gypsies as well as sharpening knives and reading fortunes. But that's what happens. So, uh, you know, hangings in the fam. I'm also related to Charles Dickens, but that's another story through marriage. Did he make cider? Are you going to tell that story this early on in the show? I No. You're not. We went to the Red Fest. <laughs> I want to get on with this. I'm trying to get some points on the board. We went to a thing. It was my story. Well, go on, then tell it. No, I mean that I needed points <laughs> for. We went. I've moved way beyond that. If I give you two points, you're back up to one. How's that? Before I forget, we went to the Ren Fest, which is a very bizarre experience because in the middle of Minnesota, there's a huge site. How many acres must that be? Hundreds and hundreds of acres. 150, it's, is it? Something it's like, like walking that, around medieval Britain. It's like dirt streets and wishing wells and buildings. It's just the facade. There is no, nothing behind the building. It's just the front of the building. But it looks like Elizabethan Britain. And everyone dresses up in Renaissance costumes and uh, costumes of the period, of course. And uh, it's very strange. It's like walking around Britain on a Saturday afternoon going down Main Street. It's very odd walking around and having Americans talk to you in fake British accents. <laughs> Everyone's Austin Powers. It's very strange and bizarre. And when I've gone there and I've gone to buy things and I've talked to people, they think I'm putting my accent on. They say, oh, you, do you work here? No, I don't work here. I'm actually British. This is my accent. <laughs> you know, can you work on that a bit more? It's not that good. Not that good. That's all I've got. There's no plan B. <laughs> I don't even know why we're talking about this anymore. What was I going to go on to discuss? Uh, cider. Cider. There we go. Anyway, <laughs> there's a stall there selling cider. And in Britain, cider is hard cider. It's got alcohol in it. It's very potent. If you drink a glass of that, you're going to wake up in a field with a sore bottom. But, and it's got straw and wood lice and things crawling around in it. It's very rough stuff. It's good. It's very good. But in this country, <laughs> cider is apple juice. It's pressed apples. So I've told Heather that my relations <laughs> which was Charles Dickens and the Dickens family. And so we're going past the cider stall. And as a historian, I, of course, if you've got Charles Dickens in your family tree and you're an author and you write books, then obviously you take an interest in Charles Dickens. And I've researched him and I know his biography and I know the things he did. Miss Morris, sitting here to my right, suddenly informs me, having looked at the cider stall, that Charles Dickens made his own cider. I was serious. I know you were. And I thought this was the first time since I've known you that you've actually given me a piece of information that I wasn't previously <laughs> aware of. So I was very impressed. I'm thinking I didn't even know 
You knew Charles Dickens, you know him that well. And I'm thinking, well, he came from Kent. There's lots of orchards there. It's called the Garden of England. So, you know, I'm now processing this in my mind and I'm thinking, well, that's interesting. I didn't know that one of my relatives, you know, used to make cider. So I'm processing this and I'm really interested. Walking along, walking along. Walking along, 10 minutes, I'm chewing on this, ruminating. She then says, do you know what he called it? And I said, no. And she said, Dickens cider. The whole thing was a joke. <laughs> That's it, laugh it up. And you fell for it. Yes. I thought there was a glimmer, just a glimmer of cerebral intelligence snatched away. You didn't talk for me for to me. No, for I like didn't. An I blamed you for an hour. Forget it, Adrian. I wasted. Just forget it. I just hope the actor, Alan Cummings, doesn't decide to make cider. <laughs> so. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? I have a woman in Santiago, Chile, claiming she was violently shoved down by a ghost and has the video to prove it. There you go. Uh, she says, 34-year-old Cecilia Carrasco was standing near the reception desk at a lawyer's office when she says she felt hands, even though nobody was around at the time. Suddenly, she found herself laying flat on the floor. I, was, I wasn't aware of anybody in front of me as I passed the reception desk talking to a girl, and as I looked towards the receptionist, I suddenly felt two pairs of hands shove me over. I hit the floor, but when I looked up, I couldn't see anybody, and I thought they had probably run off. When the receptionist told me that there was nobody there, I didn't believe her until they showed me the footage. So this is security cameras, I'm guessing. Yes. Uh, Carrasco was taken by ambulance to the local emergency room where officials found head injuries consistent with being shoved hard to the ground. Carrasco did not believe in ghosts before, but the strange incident has left her terrified. She told local reporters, I remember seeing a film where a ghost kept attacking a woman, and now I'm worried the ghost might be after me. I have no idea why I was shoved over. It's very interesting, isn't it? People say to me, can ghosts kill people? If they can shove people over, they can push you down a stairwell, off a cliff, off a sure. bridge. If they can throw, you know, pots of paint and cups around like I've experienced, they can throw a knife, they can throw something sharp. I wonder how many people have died, have been found at the bottom of stairs, have been found at the bottom of cliffs, and they thought it was an accident or a suicide or the person just tripped, where in actual fact a ghostly pair of hands has kind of helped them out there a little bit. It's a very interesting scenario, and if it was caught on film, I have seen video footage, obviously on the internet, of people being thrown around by an unseen object. There's always stuff, wasn't there, on Facebook, people post of, of ghosts throwing people around. There was a scene, wasn't there, of a woman who was in an elevator, and she was being very agitated and talking to a space that wasn't there, and then they found her body you know, in a water tank at the top of the building or some such scenario. So there is a lot of that out there. That will bring interesting, that will bring wonder, shock, and an element of horror. So I shall give you two points for that, Kim. I have one last story in the Ghosts and Hauntings round. It says, was this woman's back pain cured by a Victorian ghost? Doctor reaches across time to perform surgery. A woman who suffered agonizing back pain for seven years claimed she was cured after being operated on by a ghost doctor from another century. Barbara Phoenix, 59, was blighted by ill health after being diagnosed with fibromyalgia, a long-term condition causing generalized pain and fatigue. Mrs. Phoenix assumed she would suffer forever after painkillers prescribed by her doctor failed to have an impact. But after hearing about psychic surgery, she decided to give it a go and says she can now bound up the stairs two at a time. 
Mrs. Phoenix, married to Alan, also 59, said fibromyalgia is a long-term condition and there's no cure. I'd felt weak and achy for a number of years. Then after my diagnosis, the pain got worse. By late 2012, I could barely walk and rarely left the house. I was a regular at the doctor's surgery and was always told the same thing, to take more painkillers. Despite... Sorry, desperate and in agony, Miss Phoenix of Wrexham, North Wales, was prepared to try anything when she heard about the ghost doctor through friends who were interested in the paranormal. On their recommendation, she emailed a man called Vincent Fuller from Reading in Berkshire. Psychic surgeons have no medical training, but supposedly channel spirits to help people who are ill. She said Alan was a really supportive, and in June last year, Vincent travelled to Wales to meet me. I invited some friends for support when we gathered in a local hall. The atmosphere was eerily quiet, Mrs Phoenix said. But then something extraordinary happened. A man called Dr Childs arrived, she said. Speaking through Vincent, Dr Childs told her that he'd been born in the 1980s, sorry, in the 1880s, and died aged 86. A doctor by trade, he'd been helping people from the other side ever since. One friend asked why he operated on people when he'd actually trained as a doctor. That's a good question to ask a ghost, isn't it? Because surgeons are the ones that normally perform the surgery. The doctor doesn't perform the surgery. In Britain, anyway, surgeons are called Mr. rather than doctor. Another wondered if medicine had changed since the 1900s, seeing that he was a Victorian ghost. His answer was, I've got the knowledge of the universe, which is very useful when you're using blunt garden instruments and cutlery to operate. Satisfied with his explanation, Mrs. Phoenix invited Mr. Fuller to her house a few days later. He told me to lie down on my stomach. Then suddenly, Vincent became Dr. Childs. This reminds me of having an ingrown toenail removed. Did I tell you that story? Where I went to the hospital and an ingrown toenail removed. And you double-checked the chart to make sure what they were going to remove, right? Well, I did, yes. I was worried that the doctor might say to the nurse, remove his spectacles, and she might be hard of hearing. But I had a bandage around my toe, and while I was lying in bed recovering from having an ingrown toenail removed, a gentleman came in in a white coat with a stethoscope around his uh, neck and looked at my chart, said I was of an age where I needed my prostate check-in, told me to roll over, bring my knees to my chin. I thought he'd then gone to the car park, brought out a branch, and took a run-up. Anyway... He gave me a prostate check, and for those of you that don't know what that involves, you need to go and look that up on Wikipedia. I felt violated. He never wrote. He never bought me dinner. There was no trip to the cinema. I'm very old-fashioned. Anyway, the doctor then came in. Afterwards, ten minutes later, another doctor came in, the doctor I was working with. I spoke to him very casually about my prostate check, and the doctor said, we would never do that. There's, well, you've come in for an ingrown toenail. Why would we do that? And I explained to him what the doctor looked like, and he didn't recognise him and said there was no one working there of that name. He thinks someone put a white coat on, came off the streets, came up to the ward and put his finger up my bottom. Did that make you feel better? Well, I don't know. It was very... Uh, I, I, I got my prostate checked, I guess. I was thoroughly examined. <laughs> you might want to get it rechecked now. I, I may have been the fourth person he saw that day. Who knows? Did he change gloves at least? I don't think there was gloves. I just... <laughs> I wasn't looking. I was facing the wall. I told you, I thought he'd gone to the car park and pulled a branch off a tree. <laughs> Made your brown eye blue. Yes. I was singing Brown Eyed Girl by Van Morrison. We move on. So anyway, this, this psychic called Vincent has now channeled, right, Dr. Charles. He's got the woman laying on her front. He slipped into a semi-trance. His eyes glazed over and he circled his hands in the air above me. It felt like my organs were moving. 
like I was pregnant and the baby was kicking. Well, he must have had long fingers, mustn't he? A woman in a nurse's uniform appeared before Vincent. I could tell she was a spirit. Mrs. Phoenix said an hour later, Mr. Fuller slipped out of his trance and she paid him $100. I believe that's the going rate. Since then, the pain has virtually gone and she can bound up the stairs, free from the agony for the first time in seven years. It looked like I'd lived the rest of my life in agony, Mrs. Phoenix said. Now I've been freed by a doctor who died many, many years ago. There you go. The story of the Victorian doctor curing things from beyond his knowledge. Quite remarkable. That brings us to the end of the Ghosts and Hauntings round. Greg has one point. I have three. Heather has one. <laughs> and Kim has two. And it's all to play for us. We sprint like a mummy falling out of a tomb covered in bandages towards the round that is cryptozoology, green men and hairy beasties. What have you got for me tonight, Heather, in the round of cryptozoology and UFOs? Has Bigfoot been spotted at Yellowstone? Yogi Bear has. How do you know that? That's where he comes from, isn't it? Jellystone. Jellystone. Oh, uh, who's going to quibble over a Y and a J? <laughs> <laughs> uh, according to some Sasquatch enthusiasts, footage shot at Yellowstone National Park shows not one, but four of the mythological creatures. Four? Four. Not just one. Not just four. one. He's brought his kids and his mum along. And mother-in-law. There you go. The mother-in-law <laughs> is a Sasquatch. Who knew? How many people listening to this show think their mother-in-law is a Sasquatch? I see lots of hands. Yes, there's a lot of hairy women in the Midwest. <gasps> with big feet as well, I might add. I think it's the Scandinavian-German influence, but I can't be 100% sure. Do carry on, Miss Morris. We your... know where you live. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> the footage shows bison roaming around in a snow-covered park until four creatures walking upright appear in the background. It's not a family on holiday from Alabama, is it, by any chance? <laughs> oh, no. Gosh, you're getting everyone tonight. I know, and if anyone wants to write in, this is Heather Morris's story. <laughs> <laughs> The footage posted by user Mary Greeley has been watched some 40,000 times since the end of December. News they don't want you to hear, says a caption as the clip starts. The video captured on camera near the tourist attraction's old faithful geyser cuts away before the camera can get a closer look at the creature. Isn't that convenient? Isn't it just? Four students wearing costumes there. <laughs> Bigfoot is said to have flat feet similar to a human's and a footprint that spans over 40 centimetres. I've got flat feet. Hang on. And a footprint that big, if I remember right. When I was a child, because of my flat feet, I had to go to the clinic. They made me do exercises. I had to pick marbles out of a tin with my toes and then uh, put them into another tin. Did it help? Well, I can undo a woman's bra with just my toes now, if that helps. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Enthusiasts have long hoped to find evidence proving the existence of a creature widely thought to be fictional. Scientists believe the most supposed sightings are cases of misidentification of other animals or hoaxes. Yellowstone National Park spokesman Al Nash told ABC Bigfoot sightings are not frequent, but it does happen. People say a lot of crazy things about Yellowstone all the time, and Bigfoot is just one of them. Despite its controversial status, the beast is a very pop popular cultural symbol in North America. Everyone was... wants their photo taken with him. He's a very popular guy. <laughs> Never has to buy a drink in a bar. I uh, know, and was used in one of the mascots for the 2010 Winter Olympics in Vancouver, Canada. There you go. Sasquatch. Sasquatch in Jellystone. 
Jellystone smarter than the average bear booble. Oh, no. 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 You don't like no. that? No. Yeah, okay. No. No, okay. I'll give myself points there for impressions. <laughs> Thank God it wasn't no. a droopy story. Four. Oh, I love droopy. I know you do. I love droopy. Shall I do my droopy? Oh, no. It's building up. I can't. No. You know what? <laughs> that no. makes me happy. What's wrong with that? It's almost like he's in the room. It's like I'll give myself some more points. I'm fine. Heather, for actually having a story in the cryptozoology realm that actually contains cryptozoology. I get five points. You shall get two. You are now on a resplendent. Whatever. Three. We go to the Loch Ness Monster, of course. A cryptozoology round wouldn't be the same without Loch Ness. It says Loch Ness distress call heard after other monster was spotted. The general consensus is that Nessie is a relative of some lost extinct aquatic dinosaur. Paleontologists suggest that the plesiosaur is the most likely culprit for Nessie. But Loch Ness was formed by glacial erosion during the last ice age. Even if it was not from one of the second or third most recent ice ages, it would still not put you anywhere near the 85 million years Difference for, for between a million. Well, I was going to say a thousand. You see, they, what they've done is they put an eighty-five and a little plus. There's no zeros in this at all. So I was going to commit to a thousand. Realise I'm counting zeros as I'm going along. You see, so I'm counting five zeros as I'm reading this out. I say thousand, thinking there's going to be five. I then count a six zero, which then makes that a million. So I've gone from eighty-five thousand to eighty-five million in the, in the breath of one zero. You'd have no idea what I'm talking about, have you? It's your number dyslexia kicking in. 85 million years ago, the difference between a plesiosaur and the Loch Ness and, the, and, and Loch, the Loch being formed by the Ice Age, is 85 million years. So they're saying the chances of a Loch Ness monster being stranded in that Loch when the land suddenly put a fusion around it is almost impossible. There's 85 million years between a plesiosaur and the Ice Age that formed the lock. So when people say it's a plesiosaur, they're 85 million years out. It's, it's like when they say, or when you see on the television, a stegosaurus fighting a Tyrannosaurus rex, because they're, they're 85 million years apart. Apparently, I read that a stegosaurus is closer to us now than it would have been to a Tyrannosaurus rex back in the day. Do you see what I mean in, times of, in terms of time? Where do horseshoe crabs Fall. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Not That's right. those. Horseshoe crabs? Yeah. Well, how, do, how do we get from Loch Ness to horseshoe crabs? <laughs> how on earth? It's just the way my mind works. If Tell this is me relevant, about horseshoe crabs. Uh, oh, you want me to talk about horseshoe crabs? They're, they're yeah, how very, old are they? I don't know. Where Fifth, do they fall? Well, I, I saw one having a 21st birthday party and had its mates <laughs> round, so I, I'm guessing they make it into their 20s. I've never seen one collect a pension, if that's what you're asking me. I've never gone to the post office and seen a line of horseshoe crabs with their pension book, if that's what you're asking me. Yes, that's what I'm All right, asking. okay, I've never seen one over the age of 21. Is that what you want? Jeff, his name was. He was having a birthday party. He was buying balloons. And Colin came with. Gavin. Gavin, Gavin the horseshoe crab. How old is a horseshoe crab? Which one? Pick one. I've no idea why this is even happening to me. I don't know me. either. What's going on? I don't know. Anyway, it goes on to say this is one paranormal cryptid that is not paranormal. Every piece of evidence beyond anecdotal evidence has proven to be a hoax. The granddaddy of Nessie evidence was a photograph, which was nicknamed the surgeon's photo. This is the original hoax. A kid's submarine, some wood, a good lie, and then a legend is born. 
Almost a hundred years later, no real evidence has ever surfaced. If it wasn't for the vast number of eons between when dinosaurs dominated the Earth and eventually died to the time when the Loch Ness was formed, it may have been remotely possible. But it is not. One of the things they say, though, is that there's an underground tunnel. So mm. an underground cavern that where the sea can then access the lock. So right. I understand the fact that he's saying there's 85 million years between the lock forming and plesiosaurs being extinct. But if there's a hole underground, you know, that can go like a cavern out to the sea, that is a possibility. But then Loch Ness is obviously fresh water. So there's many questions, more questions than answers. But it then goes on to say, on Sunday, reports came in of a large unidentified creature in the waters about half a mile offshore in Plymouth in Devon. Multiple witnesses saw it and estimated that the creature was at least 20 foot long. It appeared to be swimming against the current. Some of the witnesses had cameras and took a number of pretty clear photographs. Alan Jones was one and he gave his account of what he saw. I had a telephoto lens and captured a number of images. The creature or object moved in circles, appeared to curve its shape and move considerable distances from left to right, turning and then moving back the other way. The creature or object then turned and remained stationary. It was seen by a number of people. I was using a 400mm telephoto lens as it was a fair distance out to sea. Those photographs ended up on the internet and many thought it resembled a crocodile. Saltwater crocodiles can reach 22 feet long, but that's not its natural habitat. Who knew that off the coast of South Britain? there'd be a crocodile swimming around. <laughs> Nathan Dow, probably someone's let that out, haven't they? They flushed it down the toilet or opened up a pen or something. Nathan Dow, on call for the Plymouth lifeboat, picked up his binoculars and looked for himself. He said it was just pieces of driftwood. Very unusual pattern of moving around in the water if it's just driftwood. The local lifeguard isn't going to say, oh, yes, I agree. It's a shark or an alligator, is he, that's 22 foot long? The following day, apparently, a mysterious distress call was heard in the Loch Ness area. So you were wondering how a crocodile off the coast of, of South Britain, you know, could have interacted with Loch Ness. So here we go. It says, crews from the Royal National Lifeboat Institute investigated. Since no location was given, they were unable to find a stranded vessel or who sent the signal. So a mysterious distress call came from Loch Ness the very same day that a strange object was seen swimming around in the harbour in Plymouth, and they reckon they were calling to one another, is what it's suggesting. Hmm. Despite the fact that there's 800 miles between those two areas, they still think it was calling out. So that's interesting. Huh. I shall give myself... Long distance. Long distance calls. How would a plesiosaur make a long distance call? It hasn't got fingers. It can't press the buttons. You'd have to have... What's that one where you speak the voice activated? Speak the voice? Speak the voice. <laughs> Siri. There you go. Greg's got it. <laughs> oh, should we tell him about your Siri experience, Greg? I don't think so. Only because you kidnapped his phone and you programmed it all wrong. What did you do with it? Greg got a brand new phone a couple of years ago and it had Siri on it, didn't it? Yeah. What did you do, Miss Morris? I took his phone and uh, he was playing with Siri and I told Siri to call Greg Gregalope from the, now on. Yes, this is to do with the jackalope. Yes. So the Gregalope's a mysterious animal, never seen. It roams the plains of the Turkish Balkan mountains and uh, it has legs shorter on its left side to its right so it can stand on the mountains. When it's on flat land, it goes in big circles. <laughs> it's very yes. similar to the kebab. It's of the same family. Yes. And so then what happened? And so <laughs> Siri, uh, we asked Siri quite politely to tell me what my name is, Siri. And she said, uh, what did she say to you, Greg? 
I don't remember. She said, your name is Greg, but because I'm your friend, I will call you Greg alone. Because we're such great friends. Yes, and Kim was actually getting jealous. Greg was up all night talking to this woman. I think we laughed for a half hour over that. I had tears rolling down my legs. A small amount of wee came out, if I recall. Kim, what have you got for me tonight, please, in the round of crabs, wee, and cryptozoology? The devil bird of Sri Lanka. There you go. Zoologist Bernard Hovelmans has often been attributed to fathering cryptozoology within the 20th century. In his career, he believed creatures mentioned in myth and folklore were actually unknown species with which he employed the scientific method in proving their existence. Such cases that demonstrated Hovelmans' hypothesis are the giant squid, Xiphius, I've never heard of that one, Bandagazoo, never heard You're of that one. You're making this up. These are words you've just randomly <laughs> made up. And a copy. There you the go. The only one of any of those that I've ever heard of is a giant squid. I but wonder what they all taste like. What's a, what was that, Bandazoo or something? Bandagazoo? Bandagazoo. That's, we have to look those up now. That's, that, that came from Bedknobs and Broomsticks. That was a song, wasn't it? <laughs> What's a Bandagazoo? I bet it tastes no good, idea. whatever it is. I'm seeing French fries and a, you know, slightly toasted... I don't know. I love lightly toasted bandagazoo. I prefer the leg to the breast, obviously. Perhaps I better find out what this White animal meat or is. White dark meat. Oh, always the dark meat on a bandagazoo. You don't want to touch. Please, them. listeners, post a bandagazoo on. <laughs> I thought it was a musical <laughs> instrument. I used to play on the bandagazoo when I was a kid. That's why my hands are hairy. <laughs> wow. <sighs> uh, Sri Lanka is an island country near southwest of India in South Asia. At night, one could hear blood-curdling screams echoing throughout the countryside. Locals believe the sounds emitted from the supernatural creature they know as Ulama or the Devil Bird. Legend says to hear its cries would mean intimate death, much like the banshee of Irish folklore. Yeah. Very few have ever seen the creature, and those who claim to have caught a glance and lucky not to hear the scream describe the creature to be a massive bird with a large tail, horns protruding from the head, along with either piercing black or glowing eyes. Wow. According to legend, the origins of the devil bird began centuries ago involving a family. This is a horrible story. Oh, well, don't bother then. Right, we're into the adverts. <laughs> Go on, let's hear a horrible story. A husband who doubted the paternity of his son in a rage of jealousy murdered the child and made a curry with the remains. Oh, I do like oh. a curry, though. Was it a Rogan Josh or did he do it with a paneer and, and spinach? Doesn't nose? say. I like a passander. He Small then child served it, He served it to his wife, and while eating, found her son's finger in the bowl. Oh. The woman ran off into the forest, horrified, where she killed herself, and her spirit transformed into the devil bird, forever screaming in grief. I found a day's chicken in a curry once, but I did all of the chicken coma. I'm here all week. <laughs> That's terrible. That's not You're even terrible. Enough. I'm up to seven points. You're on three. Well, the legend made the creature a well-known avian cryptid in Sri Lanka with its cries continuing to be heard at night. Over the years, the general consensus among many, especially scientists, that such a creature could not exist until over a decade ago. So they've now found this creature. Dr. R.L. Spittle investigated the devil bird, believing the creature had to be a local unknown species. So what does it taste like? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The villagers found an unusual bird, which was classified to be a new avian breed, the spot-bellied eagle owl, and determined by Spittle to be the cryptid. In his research, the animal resembled in appearance to the Alama of legend and its screech sound human-like. 
Many would consider the cryptid solved, yet locals of Sri Lanka would argue the sound made by the eagle owl is not the same to what they hear at night, while some scientists speculate other avian species on the island to be the true devil bird. Tell me how a populated area has never seen a spotted-bellied eagle owl. I mean, new creatures get discovered every day, but they're little frogs the size of your fingernail, or they're like three miles below the sea surface living in coral reeds, or it's a cluster of snails living up someone's bottom in Mexico somewhere. They're, they're very rarely a large animal, are they? I mean, when was the, you know, mammals are very rare to find now. You know, they might find a small shrew or a mouse occasionally, but pretty much every mammal's been accounted for now. So how can you not see or know in a populated area that a spotted-bellied, Eagle owl ex doesn't exist. It seems very strange to me. What was it doing? But was it disguised? Have like a moustache and a rubber nose? It was like a mac and a hat and was going to the market dressed as a man. I mean, how do these things survive and live? It's very strange. He had a disguise on. He used to come out every year and dress up as Santa Claus. Very, very strange. And for introducing us to the Bandagazoo, which I'm going to look up in the break, a Bandagazoo, I shall give you two points. You are now on a resplendent. Four. Stay with me for more of the same ghostly news after these short messages from our sponsors. The Lake Area Paranormal Interest Group meets bi-monthly to discuss all things paranormal. The group's primary focus is on the topic of UFOs, but they also delve into alien abductions, cryptozoology, Bigfoot, crop circles, ghosts and bandagazoos. Come with an open mind and be prepared to discover the who, what, when, where and why of these phenomena. Meetings are from 7 to 9 p.m. Central Time in the Banquet Room of the American Legion Club in Wake Park, Minnesota. For more information, visit their website, lapig.org. For people who believe that standing in a cold, dark basement in the middle of the night for hours on end is perfectly normal. The Minnesota chapter of the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON, meets the second Saturday of every month at the New Brighton Community Center, New Brighton, Minnesota. Meetings are from 2 to 5 p.m. Central and include investigation reports, open mic, book reviews, videos, guest speakers and guess the age of the crab. Everyone with an interest in UFOs is welcome to... I get so bored reading this out. Everyone with an interest in UFOs is welcome to attend. For anyone who's experienced a UFO sighting or has laughed so hard a small amount of weirs come out, this is the place to be. Meeting agendas, driving directions, tons of UFO information can be found at MN mufon.org I would love to hear from you if you would like your business or product advertised live on more questions and answers reaching the nation and beyond with informative well-educated listeners of good taste and a love of the paranormal and all things oddly intriguing you are listening to more questions than answers, which makes you very lucky, well-informed individuals of remarkably good taste, well done and high fives all around don't tell my mum and dad what I do in the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend that is Johnny Nash, there are indeed more questions than answers. And the more I find out, the less I know, which means I'm probably less intelligent than when the show started. I am your host, Adrian Lee, famous for being banned in Lithuania and for the annoying inability to say abominable snowman live on air welcome back for the second part of tonight's show if you have just joined us then where have you been and what could have been more important if you have stayed with me then let me raise your spirits further by saying that we still have 50% of the show still left to go and some would say the best 50% certainly my favourite half of the show remember you can contact the show at any time via our Facebook site 
more questions and answers with Adrian Lee, where all of tonight's stories and much, much more can be found in glorious detail and technicolour for your perusal, including all of the photographs and videos that accompany our stories. You can also write to me and send me stories at mqta at rocketmail.com and my Twitter account, Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. I've now been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies. I have fresh flashlight batteries and my mother has thankfully now stopped snoring in the room next door. So onwards we march into the third round that is strange and bizarre. It's the stories of the week that do not fit any other category, but are too strange and too bizarre not to read out live on air. I have seven points, Kim has four, Heather has three, and Greg is the little duck all on his own at number two, our second series. <laughs> I'm glad we're on the radio because Greg's doing an impression of a duck, which was very impressive. <laughs> I used to keep ducks and that was very, very close, yes. Ducks are make fabulous pets, by the way. They're like guard dogs. You know, if someone's coming up the path, they quack. They're very good pets. When don't they quack? When don't they quack? When someone's not coming up the path. <laughs> they also jump quite high as well, depending on how hard you kick them. Uh, Heather! <laughs> What have you got for me in the round of the strange and the bizarre? You need the points. You're in third place at the moment. All right. Georgia man charged with necrophilia at funeral home. Oh, this point's to be had already. In fact, this is going to get us off the air because this isn't even the not for your mother round. I cannot sit here and not crack jokes. If you're you talking have to... to be very quiet and sit nicely. <sighs> I don't know how this is going to uh, happen. Hey, baby, what's that cologne you're wearing? Embalmer's secret number 42. Always works for me. <laughs> yeah. I know you're dead, but can't you move just a little? <laughs> dead girls can't say no. It's controversial. <sighs> All right. In Georgia, a homeless Georgia man has been charged with necrophilia after police made a disturbing discovery. Police say 26-year-old oh, Dominique Smith was arrested and charged with having sex with a deceased body at a local funeral home. I almost said grocery store, but that would have been terrible. <laughs> yes. They're doing a special two-for-one. Buy one, get one free corpses this week. Rump roast. <laughs> Barbecue. God, terrible. That just fell off the bone. Apple. Don't applaud her. What's wrong with you? I can't even take your points away because you're not even on the game. There's no discipline, is there? I'm going to find a naughty cupboard and shut you in it with the lights out. Well, this is what they were actually investigating when they found him, so you'll love this. So they weren't investigating him. This was just by accident. It was by accident that they found him doing this. The police oh. made the discovery while investigating the theft of a bicycle. What on earth? <laughs> Christ, what kind of strange and bizarre macabre practices are they doing in there? He only wanted it for the pump. Oh, Adrian Edward. Uh, <laughs> um, I know I'm in trouble when my middle name is used. <laughs> Smith appeared in recorder's court for the theft charge and was sentenced to 30 days in jail. They then reviewed the video surveillance oh. footage. Why would you have sex home. with a corpse when you're being videoed? Uh, oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, it, was, it was a rhetorical question. I didn't think you had experience of that. Is it different for a man to a woman? I mean, a man has to die in a fairly non-flaccid way, doesn't he, and have rigor mortis. Whereas, you know, I'm just saying, is it easier for a man or a woman? I don't know that either. I mean, how do they get the coffin lid down? Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, no. That's no. why I'm just, you'd have to get an ogre or something. And okay. Probably... 
Police are not releasing the name of the victim. Now, we have a legal expert here. Could a corpse actually be a victim? No. I didn't yeah. think so. Um, but they say the family has been notified about the investigation. Smith could get up to 10 years in jail for the necrophilia charge. That's wrong. That's, I mean, I'm, I don't want to think about this too much, but, I mean, I, seriously, you've I, got to have some serious issues, haven't you? I mean, to approach, you know... I mean, I, how long have they been dead, for Christ's sake? I mean, was I it green? I don't know that either. See, I don't know what kind of points to give you now, you see, because it was interesting, but there was some shock in there, and it's a bit early in the evening for that kind of carry-on, isn't it? Do you not think? You haven't heard my last story yet. Oh, this is true. But then I was going to warn the listeners that that was our not-for-your-mother round, rather than just come straight you out. You still can. Okay. <laughs> I will give you two points, because I'm feeling very generous tonight. You are now on five. Yay. Kim, what have you got for me Tonight in the round of the strange and the bizarre, you are currently on four points. Man and woman busted for having sex in stranger's hot tub. What's wrong with the two of you? This was this is meant to be not for your mother round. This is <laughs> granted that is strange and bizarre. Was it their own hot tub or someone else's? Someone else's. You wouldn't See, want to empty the strange. filter, would you? Can you I had to it? read this though because it's in Minnesota. Oh well, <laughs> that explains everything. Well, think about this. And, I am. And the you, uh, have you described to the listeners before? Yes, you have. What the weather in Minnesota is like right yeah. now? Yes, it's it's cold. It's where your eyelids actually freeze together, and you have to put your finger in your eye to open your eyeball. Yes. And we're talking about a couple being in a hot tub, not to mention the fact that it's not even their own hot tub. Someone else's. You yes. wouldn't want to find that, would you? A couple of days later. I mean, can you imagine if. What if they would have frozen there? That would have been funny. <laughs> it's like a blind date. We're having to break the ice. Oh. So, <laughs> so meet Christy Sheldon and Lucas Arneson. Oh, they live on our street. I know the Arnesons. <laughs> I don't. I'm making that up. I, I can't say I do. Sheldon, 52, and Arneson, 22. Oh. See? We're busted this week for disorderly conduct after a Minnesota homeowner called cops to report the two naked strangers were having sex in her hot tub. <laughs> You've got to be brave, Invin. If you're in your 50s and you're walking around in Minnesota in the wind in a hot tub with a 22-year-old. I bet she was perky. I bet he was small. <laughs> <laughs> Police were summoned around 11.30 p.m. Tuesday to a home in Egan, a city 15 miles south of St. Paul. Every wrinkle's an inch. Wow. <laughs> there they discovered Sheldon and Arneson, a St. Paul native, native, enjoying the hot tub. The temperature outside was in the mid-20s. They drove from St. Paul to Egan to jump in a, someone else's hot tub. Is that what you're telling me? After citing Sheldon and Arneson for disorderly conduct, cops dropped them off at a nearby house, which is not outfitted with a backyard spa. That residence is occupied by Sheldon's 29-year-old son, whom she apparently was visiting <laughs> from her home in Montana. So it's his son's girlfriend. No, it's his, uh, the fifty-two-year-old woman. Oh, it's the, the woman. It was the woman's son. She was from Montana. Oh, so how old's the woman? Fifty-two. Oh, it was the woman that was fifty-two. Yeah, I just yes. made the assumption, as probably every listener did to that story, that the older person was the man. No, she was. She was milf. In, in effect, <laughs> yes. The old. Well, that's even worse because now I'm picturing a woman in her fifties naked. In cold weather in the winter in Minnesota, and uh, it needs ironing is what it needs. Well, We've got to get an iron on that. He's 22 and her son is 29. <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> it's easily done, I grant you, and I'm not very good at math. That's quite remarkable. Mm. I shall give you two points. You are now on six and just nudge above Heather. 
I have a graveyard story. Grave digger suspended over photograph with a corpse. A Spanish grave digger pictured posing next to a long dead corpse that had been exhumed, has been suspended from his duties, uh, duties, officials say. This is a still life photograph, I'm guessing. <laughs> a municipal, you can laugh at any point, I don't mind. A municipal representative said the worker, identified only as Clemente, was wearing his official blue polo shirt, bearing the town's coat of arms, when he appeared in a photo alongside the exhumed corpse of a man who had been dead for 23 years, and another man believed to be the deceased's nephew-in-law. I wonder if they had, they had a holiday booked. I wonder if they had somewhere to go. You know, you book a holiday 23 years in advance, then you get dug up to, to be get going on that. You wouldn't want to sit next to a corpse on an aeroplane, would you? Can you imagine? You're sat there, you're taking off, and you're thinking, what's that strange smell? Then again, if you're given pretzels and peanuts, you can have the ones for the person sat next to you, can't you? Mm. And pretty much you can lean on them. And I'm just saying, and if there was a fire or there was an emergency, they wouldn't be... Is this like the weekend at Bernie's thing? It is. It's very much like that, but it's very strange. A Spanish daily newspaper said the photo was taken by the dead man's niece and sent to other family members who then posted it to a social media site. He's never looked better, apparently. Officials said the corpse had been exhumed to comply with the woman's request to have the graves extended. He'd obviously grown in his death. Oh. The civil guard is investigating the incident and Clemente has been suspended from his duties at the cemetery, so I guess he's digging a large hole for himself there at the moment. Apparently no. the IRS were looking to interview the corpse over unpaid taxes over the last 22 years. I have seen the photograph as well, it's very odd. I mean, it's obviously an emaciated corpse wearing clothes and there's a man with a shovel standing next to it with his arm around it, smiling. It's a very strange Ew. set of circumstances. It's horror, it's shock and horror. I shall give myself two How points. How old was that corpse? Uh, he died 23 years ago, but it doesn't wow. say how old he was when he died. But seeing that he was the uncle, I'm guessing he was of later years. Is that what you meant? Yeah, what like did the he look What like? are you obsessed with age tonight? If it's not horseshoe crabs, it's dead Spanish uncles. Dead Spanish uncle. I've got a story about it. I told you a friend of mine that I used to play soccer with was Spanish and he told me that he couldn't play soccer because his uncle was ill. And I said to him, I'm really uh, sorry your uncle's ill. How's your auntie bearing up? Do you remember this story? It turned yes. out to be his ankle. He was telling me his ankle wasn't well. He'd broken his ankle. I was, I was about to have a whip round for some cards and some chocolates. I was wondering about the age of the... Horseshoe crab. No, the person that was exhumed. I don't know that. That's not Like how long he had been buried. He'd been dead for 22 years. 23, 22 so, and years. And he only looked emaciated? He didn't look like he falling apart? He looked dead, if that's what you're asking I'm me. I'm thinking <laughs> Indiana Jones, you know, the head falls off type of thing. Yes, but those are millions of years old. They're thousands of years old, aren't they, in Indiana Jones? They're in Egyptian temples and Aztec temples. But all... those aren't real. This is Spanish. This is, The ground is very dry in Spain because the rain stays mainly in the plain. <laughs> <laughs> and they're also very dry. Yes, it's very dry in Spain. I've just, yes. It's very interesting. I, my first girlfriend was Spanish when I was sort of 16 and it's amazing. Spanish women are incredibly attractive up until about the age of 30. It's all tits and tambourine. Then someone clicks their fingers and they all wear black and look like shriveled prunes. It happens overnight. It's incredible. You have to wake up in the morning and throw water over them. It's incredible. You lost me. I'm yes. sorry. So we shall move on. My grave digging story <laughs> has given me two extra points so we shall now move into the round that is not for your mother. Yay! This should have been done 25 minutes ago. You yes. know that. This is the round where if your mother's of a very delicate disposition, you need to remove her from the room. You need to take her to a horseshoe crab party where they're all <laughs> having a 21st birthday party. You need to make sure that there's no tears running down her legs. You need to escort her out of the room. 
is what I'm saying. You need to lean her up against a wall and take a photograph with her next to a shovel just for... Your mother? Well, you can do. <laughs> I want my mother. <laughs> this is what happened in the Victorian England and Victorian America, isn't it, with the Memento Mori pictures? Yes. The only photograph they would have of a family member is where they'd be propped up and dead and wearing their Sunday best clothes. Very strange. At least they're not moving around. Those old photographs took like three or four minutes. No one's smiling, are they? But then I thought no one had teeth back then. Their teeth were black and all fallen out, so no one would smile. If they smiled, it would look like druids had worshipped them around the summer solstice, is what I'm saying. Oh. I know. I feel bad for them. Yeah, you should be losing points like for left what? and right. Talking about Victorians having bad teeth. Yeah. What have you got for me in the round of not for your mother, all the children and all Are you adults ready? of a disposition I removed from the room? Go for it. British. Oh, it would be, wouldn't it? You always never dig at the Brits. Always racism in this round. British poet throws Wee Willie's party to promote body acceptance. A British poet making a poem about a willy. He throws a Wee Willie's party. It's a Wee Willie party. Is there going to be wieners on sticks and things? I have no idea. I keep having this recurring dream that I'm a corn dog. <laughs> what? <laughs> keep going. <laughs> I don't know. Your toe experience, yeah. My toe experience. A British poet who gained international attention with a poem about his small penis is throwing a party in London to celebrate tiny todgers and mini members. Is this a big poem? Oh, it's a short one. Okay. <laughs> it's only going to last a minute. <laughs> But we could perhaps read it out again in four or five minutes' time after a cigarette and a cup of tea. I'm willing to read it again. We can go for it twice. This has never happened to me before. I read the first line and I, I messed up. Yeah. I can read the first line again, but I've always managed to read my poem straight off the bat. Everyone's been on the money. I don't know. It's never happened to me before. I got as far as the first line. I never made the second stanza. I'm sorry. Can we try again later? Is there a poem in there? Oh, no, I don't have the poem. I should have looked it up. There was a young man from Nantucket. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, Ant Smith, whose poem about his penis... Uh, hang on a second. If you've got a small penis, would you write a poem about it and then broadcast it to everybody? Do you see what I'm saying? You'd, you know, you'd keep quiet, wouldn't you, Nathan? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And his name was Ant. Oh. Smith. Ant Smith. You want to know what the poem's name was? I'd like to have that Crooked in my... Little Finger. Oh. Rheumatism. It earned him international attention, and he said the big small penis party in London is aimed to celebrate wee willies and encouraging men not to give in to body shaming. Your willie's not on the list. You're not coming in. It gets better. Okay. Uh, this multimedia comedy cabaret extravaganza will curve all ills, set society on a better path, and bring us to world peace. Have you ever Smith seen wrote. the show Puppetry of the Penis? No. Has anyone ever heard of that? In the West End of London, two Australian guys had a show running for many years that women used to go to on their bachelorette parties and so forth. It was very popular. And what are their bachelor, their hen parties, yeah? Yeah. Okay. And it's wedged between, you know, Phantom of the Opera and Starlight Express in a big theatre in the West End of London. They have a giant kind of magnifying glass on stage with a TV and the two men walk on naked and for two hours they do impressions with their meat and vegetables. How do you know these? Because one of my friends... <laughs> my mother told me... <laughs> She said the Eiffel Tower was the most impressive, but they also oh, did Winston no. Churchill looking pensive, the last turkey in the butchers at Christmas, and apparently they did a McDouble 
with the sesame seeds and everything. So I'm not quite sure how that happened, but it was very impressive. Special sauce. And... That's the sort of thing, yeah. It looked exactly like a McDonald's, which is Do you is remember the song, Kim? Which? The, the song about the penis looked like, uh, you know, The Big Mac song? No. To all beef patties. Patty special sauce, so, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Yeah, and if you said it within like a couple of seconds, they were meant to give you a free one. Right. Okay. Yeah, do you remember that? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we never had television in Britain until 1984. <laughs> okay, so anyway, he wants people on a better path, blah, 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 bring us to world peace. I love the fact or, you're bored with your own story. No, blah, I'm blah, sure, blah. No, you had interrupted me, so I'm kind of going back a little so I can get it all into context okay, again. Okay, we want to try and fit it all in. Or, or maybe not. But it will prove that life's too short... Short. I see what you did there. Uh, to be hung up on the little things. Yeah. You missed yeah. the word hung as well, by the way. Oh, I did. Shall I ring the bell every time you say one? Go back and read the last sentence. Uh, or maybe not, but it will prove that life's too short to be hung up on the little things. Uh, what was the extra one things. for? The period? Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> There's a joke in there somewhere, but I really don't want to be taken off air. Um... Smith said the event will include performances from comedians, musicians, and London's finest naked poets. I didn't even know you guys had those. Nor did I until now. Um, I think it's really important to maintain a balanced sense of fun. That's why I'm creating a celebratory party. I'm going to... I've got... A celebratory, I would suggest. Celebratory. 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 Bratory. Bratory. Laboratory. Yes, celebratory. Okay. Okay. No, you want to correct me again? No, I'm just, uh, as an Englishman <laughs> correcting your English, I think I have every right, and it's my show. <laughs> I've got various thoughts on what is good and what is ba a bad small penis joke. <laughs> oh, we've had a lot tonight. Uh, I don't think humor... I don't mind penis jokes, I just don't want them rammed down my throat. Oh, no. Uh, I do think humor <laughs> is a great feeling. Oh, healer. you catch up, Nathan. <laughs> so I'll just keep laughing. Uh, Smith said women would be allowed in with a donation and men will be admitted with a for deposit. Oh, for the price of 77 cents per claimed inch of penis. Really? Yes. Christ. I haven't, where am I going to get $12 from? <laughs> <laughs> What's that in pounds? <laughs> I don't know. It must, weigh, it must weigh about a bag of sugar. That's about two pounds. <laughs> um, you, you very often read if that... If you're including inflation in that. Oh, what? <laughs> you very often read that five to seven inches is average. I've scored 26 average. points in this round. <laughs> I'm, I'm on 38 points. And that's such a broad range. People walk away thinking that seven inches is average. It isn't. I wrote the poem in the first place, partly inspired by the fact that one of my friends also told me that they suffered anxiety. They were six inches. Oh, There's how rough for him. absolutely no reason for them to. A lot of what I'm doing is talking to the average man and saying it's perfectly fine. They come said. in three sizes, don't they? Small, medium and liar. I scored really well out of that round. I'm on 38. You can't have any points I'm on, on my 38 story. points. You have two for your story. You are now on seven. Fabulous. I have a story Trade. here. It says commuter told to go F himself. And uh, he never, it was actually full. I, I'm not going to say the F word on the radio, but commuter told go F yourself by a man on his way to interview him for job an hour later. 
This is a man who caused a Twitter storm after revealing he was told to go F himself by another commuter on his way to work, then came face to face with him again when he turned up for a job interview. The guy he told to F off was interviewing him for a job an hour later. HR executive Matt Buckland was the victim of a foul-mouthed tirade as he commuted on the tube during the morning rush hour. That's the underground system in Britain. He was barged out of the way by the unnamed man who was racing to get off at the Monument Station on Monday. So he was shocked to see the same man walking for an interview at the firm an hour later. Can we say karma at this point? Is this possible to say karma? Posting on Twitter, Mr Buckland revealed that the commuter did not recognise him at first, and so he asked him a few tube-related questions until the penny dropped. Mr Buckland did not give the man the job, but stressed that this was not down to his earlier interaction and that he wasn't actually right for the role. I guess his man management skills were left wanting. There's a lot of karma, isn't there? Instant karma. I saw a fabulous video on YouTube where there was an ice hockey game, and I don't know who the teams were that were involved, but one of the ice hockey players got hit in the face and his nose was bleeding. He'd broken his nose and there was blood coming out. And one of the supporters for the rival team came up to the plexiglass and pointed at the guy who had a broken nose and was laughing at him. And the guy with the broken nose kind of went up to him, the supporter, and waved his fists at him through the plexiglass, almost like you're at the zoo and there's a gorilla on the other side of the fence. Anyway, in the same game, the guy gets patched up. Ice hockey players are a rough bunch, and he carried on playing with a broken nose. Later on in the game, someone had a shot. It got deflected. The puck went into the audience and broke the nose of the guy who was making the faces. (laughs) And as the paramedics came to help the guy with the broken nose the guy who got the first broken nose got off the ice walked up to him and started pointing to him and laughing i just thought that was a fabulous video if people want to see that it is a joy an absolute joy to behold if you type in something like ice hockey karma or broken nose something along those lines you will find that in fact i will go and look for that and post it on our facebook site more questions and answers with adrian lee but i thought that was a fabulous story and it reminds me of traveling on the tube in London. There's a lot of that kind of thing and that carry on. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? I have two things. Okay, yes. You said you wanted to talk to me. We discussed (laughs) in the last episode, episode one of series two, that there was a story that you said to me was true and I, I said it wasn't true and we had a debate about this, that if you flatulate in an unventilated room that's very small, you can actually asphyxiate yourself. You were actually worried about that. Well, this studio is airtight, and I'd been to Taco (laughs) Bell, so there were some concerns. We discussed the fact that I got eaten... I was eating Beano, like M&Ms. And Uh, you had been having cabbage. Yes, there was a long list of things that gentlemen shouldn't have when trapped in rooms. During the Second World War, if you was in a submarine, for example, there were certain foods that you would steer away from. Sauerkraut for the Germans in U-boats would be one, I would suggest. Oh, yes. that had to suck. Yes, that's how, they, that's how they got them to float to the surface, you know. Oh. It's true. All those Germans eating, they didn't have bilge tanks. It was just a lot of sauerkraut, and up they would come. There you go. It's true, I and tell we're you. we're discussing the fact that whether the story I told was true or not. I know. So what have you I got know. for me now, then? Obviously, when, as, as a female of the species, you want to prove a point. So let's, yeah, let's I'll read it. this yes. story. A terrible diet and room with no ventilation are being blamed for the death of a man who was killed by his own gas. I, again, I, you know, I cry uncle or something. I don't know. What do you say over here? <laughs> Bollocks would be the word I'd use in Britain, but I'm not allowed to use that over here. There was no mark on his body. 
but an autopsy showed large amounts of methane gas in his system. And these sheets were shredded. His <laughs> diet had considered cons consisted primarily of beans and cabbage oh. <laughs> and a couple of other things. There you go. It was just the right combination of foods. It appears the man died in his sleep from breathing the poisonous cloud that was hanging over his bed. Just like Apollo 13. <laughs> had he been outside or had his windows opened, it wouldn't have been fatal. But the man was shut up in his near airtight bedroom, according to the article. Death by farting. Swamp gas. It was he the f diet. He was a big man with a huge capacity for creating this deadly gas. Three of the rescuers got sick and one was hospitalized. Oh, and they've oh. not seen his wife for three weeks and the window was broken. This is terrible. I find that incredibly hard to believe, to be perfectly honest. I'm not sure I should give you points, but you say you have a second story there, so you can redeem yourself. <laughs> All right. The officials tell teens to buy smaller condoms. What is it with you two women tonight? Are you repressed? Why don't you go and watch a DVD of Magic Mike or something and get it out your system? I... You, you won't let us. No, that it's is... still in the wrapper. Yes, I check the cellophane on that DVD every night. <laughs> I'm sure you're gluing it back down with spray mount or golden glory or something. The cellophane on that DVD has changed so many times. I'm sure you pick at it with a scalpel or steam it open. I swear to God. Do you care to give a guess on what country we're going to go to? With this? Oh, it's Britain, isn't it? Straight off the bat. If it's about small penises, it's going to be Britain. Nope, Bangkok. Oh, God. <laughs> Bangkok. Is a man who goes through airport security sideways going to Bangkok? <laughs> Thailand's Ministry of Public Health said teens are promoting the spread of sexually transmitted diseases by buying condoms that are too big for their penises. Mr... Piawachawila. <laughs> They're just making this up. A I swear that's just any, oh, you've not even read that. And you just made that up. I'm trying my best to pronounce that name. <laughs> Mr. Kula Ula Wuya. Something like that. Yes, that's Taiwanese for small penis, I believe. <laughs> Said teenagers in their country often spring for the larger size condoms to avoid being mocked by their friends for having a small one. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that so funny to you? Uh, I can picture him stuffing extra stuff in there. <laughs> I'm sure I had a pair of stockings when I came in. Where's my knickers? It's like Guy Fawkes, you're stuffing newspaper down legs to make a figure. This is how you make balloon models from condoms. I swear to God, there's a really good show there. You could go to a show and the man's got a condom and he's blowing it up. Blowing up condoms and then suddenly you hear... And there's a giraffe. With a rather strange-looking nose. No? <laughs> Condom balloon animals, I'm telling you. Obviously, best to use them before you've used them. But... No, and they come in different colours. And flavours. Yeah, I once, I once made a camel. Glow in a... the dark. Yeah, there's a, you could make a, a camel from a 10-inch black rib tickler without any bother. A black camel? Never heard of it. <laughs> <A black camel. laughs> it gets dark at night in Egypt. They wear makeup, those camels, do you know that, to make themselves look more attractive? They have eyelashes, lipstick, and camel rouge. Oh, no. Do continue, Kim. <laughs> uh, he said that the condoms are too big for the wearer, that they can slip in action and fail to protect against pregnancy and the spread of disease. It's when the baby comes out nine months later and it's <laughs> around its head like a cat. Do you know those beanie hats you wear? A do-rag. That's it. A baby with a do-rag. I wonder where that condom went. <laughs> The Thai Bureau of Epidemiology said the infection rate of sexually transmitted infection, infections among teenagers Erections. 
rose from 7.53 for every 100,000 people to 34.5 per 100,000. The health ministry said it will spend a total of 1.95 million to distribute 43 million free condoms this year. Do you know what they should do? They should make small condoms but label them large. Yes. Because I think I read somewhere that no one was buying small condoms. We so had a story did, on the show did. about they that. They changed we did. the sizes, didn't they? Yes. The, a large... It was elephant-sized. The, the final one was gigantic or something like Ginormous. that. Ginormous. Ginormous. There Thermos we go. flask. Uh, yeah, I remember doing that Fire show. extinguisher-sized. <laughs> You're looking at me bizarrely, like that's a size. I, I made that up. There's no such thing as fire extinguisher-sized. You've looked, haven't you? I have looked. <laughs> <laughs> I have to get mine online. I can't just buy them. They're going to be made special. <laughs> The Moral Promotion Center in Bangkok announced earlier this week... I used a bag of Doritos before. <laughs> <laughs> Not the spicy ones, obviously. That would be problematic. They, are they were empty. They weren't full. I'm sorry, kid. No. <laughs> God, I miss university. Um, I got to start over. <laughs> I know. The Moral Promotion Center in Bangkok announced earlier this week it is urging teenagers to steer clear of premarital sex on Valentine's Day with the Just a Meal for Valentine campaign. Wow. <laughs> Available information suggests that 83% of Thai teenagers plan to have sex on Valentine's Day. If they hang out in secluded areas after a meal, there is a possibility that they will opt for sex. Well, it only took Heather a trip to Dairy Queen, to be fair. <laughs> How dare you? Not denying it, though, are you? How was your prom date? Oh, why do you have to bring up those memories? I have one story left, but not for your mother. It says, 1893 sex toy sells at auction. A vibrating sex toy designed for the treatment of female hysteria in 1893 sold for more than $2,600 at Christie's Auction House in England. Christie's Kensington Auction House in Chelsea, England, said the metal and celluloid vibrator designed by Dr. Benjamin Boyd fetched a total of $2,641 when it was auctioned as part of the auctioneer's out-of-the-ordinary sale. Apparently, it only had 26 careful previous owners. The sum was $1,100 more than the item was expected to fetch, the auction house said. So I see vibrating sex toys have actually gone up. The item was listed as an electrical instrument for medical purposes. Accompanying the lot is a facsimile of the United States Patent Office application for the instrument. The Christie's catalogue entry for the item reads, In the early 20th century, stimulation and vibratory devices for the treatment of female hysteria was a common and lucrative part of many doctors' office practices. So tell me then, where nearly every woman now in this country has a stimulating vibratory device, are women more hysterical than they ever have been? There are indeed Hold on. more questions than answers. That brings to the, no, to the end I got of the more. show. I got one more. You've got one more? Yeah, and all of us saw it. Okay. We were on our local for sale site, weren't we, Kim? Oh, yes. <laughs> Explain to people what a for sale site is if they don't uh, know, uh, on our face British listeners. On Facebook, um, sometimes we have local areas that it's like a community garage sale on Facebook, essentially. And uh, Kim and I both saw this fantastic ad. And why don't you tell them what the ad said, Adrian? Well, there was a, <laughs> there was a lady 
who said that she had what she thought was a vibrating toe ring. So there's a photograph of her big toe and there's a ring around it with a little vibrating device. And she said that this vibrating toe ring was very relaxing and it really made her feet feel relaxed and at ease. And, and it was pretty... Yes, and it wasn't for her big time. I remember so. the price was $20. If $20. anyone's interested, yeah, $20 well spent. But uh, it was not originally designed for one's big toe, and I've never <laughs> ever seen it. Unless you've got gout, why else would you need a big toe massaging device is what I'm saying. You know, maybe I can think gout. Oh, but... I just got it. Oh, Nathan. <laughs> and this is why the legal system in America is in such a state of disrepair. Well, all good things must come to an end. I'm still wondering. I mean, I'm not one to brag, but I mean, if she's fitting it round her big toe, do you see what I'm saying? Uh, you're gonna have to. Maybe pull she's it one of those Scandinavian Minnesota women with big feet. With big feet. Well, let's yeah. hope so then. But uh, I think unless you were very uh, cold or very small proportion, that would not work for you. If you can get it round your big toe, send it then, to Taiwan. Yes, obviously they need it in Taiwan so they can have sexually transmitted diseases reduced. In percentage. Well, all good things come to an end, so let us look at tonight's scores. In last place, the K2 meter with the dead battery is Greg. He is on two points. Heather and Kim. Heather, you're on nine. Kim's on seven. And I have won tonight's show with 38 points. You're welcome. And I have won the $33,000 IR camera. Most of those points, 29 of those points, came in your story. You're welcome. You do know that. <laughs> do not fear, listener. I'll give you 10 points just for helping me out. You're now on 19, but you're still in second place. <laughs> do not fear, listener, which makes you number two. Oh. Do not fear, listener. Remember, I am back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time, and I would love for you to join me for a fun and a very informative journey. <laughs> Who knew our old horseshoe crabs were? Through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing, bizarre, weird, and sex toys, please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee. Or you can email me at mqta at rocketmail.com. You can also join my Twitter account at adrian underscore lee underscore tips. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Yaton Drainer, Kim and Greg Gore, Nathan and all of the International Paranormal Society at int Paranormal. Net. And all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area, Paranormal Interest Group and MUFON of Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember, be interested and interesting. Good night. Good night.